Marcelo. By Coutinho, what a goal that is! Lift off for Brazil! Hello and welcome to the Total Football Podcast World Cup 2018 coverage. I'm Declan Hard, it's day 18, and it's another fantastic day of World Cup action. The two two pretty good games. The first game, not as good as the second game. The second game is an absolute classic. Uh, from the final whistle, instantly became a classic. Uh, but Brazil-Mexico is what started our day. Brazil, 2-0 victory, victors. And it's the seventh World Cup in a row that Mexico have bowed out at the round of 16. And, you know, they've been... They've definitely been unlucky uh, throughout that uh, seven-tournament seven run. Like they drew Argentina two out of those recently, uh, the Netherlands in 2014, and they were even unlucky in that match because the Netherlands ultimately win that through a penalty that, uh, if memory serves correctly, wasn't uh, a clerical penalty. Arjen Robin, uh, not the most honest uh, individual in that match, uh, but Brazil simply just the better side in this match, and you know. Mexico did actually start this match pretty bright. Uh, you know, they they really rattled Brazil, I think. But then the problem was that and it was similar to like Germany and uh, maybe to a lesser extent like against uh, South Korea. But they were just so wasteful in front of goal. Like they created a couple of chances. Like their counterattacks were uh, fairly well uh, made. But just once they got in front of goal, the opportunities just were wasted and like it was disappointing because you don't want to see a team create so many opportunities only to waste them and uh like it was interesting that her herving lozano started on the right as opposed to the left especially because he seemed so right-footed during this competition uh but carlos vela had a lot of joy on the on his left on the left side of the pitch against uh brazil's right back fagner who was in the side replacing danilo and replacing danny alves and uh, he he did well, Vela, but it just they were as I said they were so wasteful in front of goal. Like it's, it's hard to describe it any other way. Like they and it was very much that first twenty minutes. Uh, like after twenty minutes, they seemed to lose uh, a bit of that frantic energy that they had. You know, they kind of dominated Brazil for that first twenty minutes. Even though I think the possession was a little fifty fifty, Brazil's possession was mostly just passing in between the the back four and the goalkeeper trying to calm things down a little bit uh mexico kind of ran out of energy and they would continue to lose energy throughout the match and it just kind of became a professional 2-0 victory from there uh brazil they created a couple chances it was none at half time and it definitely felt like mexico needed the first goal like once the first goal goes in that kind of felt like it was it i was just a matter of time before brazil see out the game and probably get a second and uh not the best of performances from Brazil. They definitely improved as the competition's gotten on, but I still am unconvinced by them. I still think that they have problems that they can be got at. I think that if a team gets physical on them, that uh, Brazil don't like that. They don't respond well to that. And, like, that's not just Neymar who... <laughs> Neymar, like, the absolute villain of this World Cup, for sure. Like, the, the play acting that he's been doing has been just outrageous. Like, he's making a complete fool out of himself. It's pathetic. 
and uh, he was at it again today. Like I, I can't remember who it was that stood on him, but like it, like it, you, you probably should have sent him off. Uh, whoever it was the player that stood on him, but the reaction from Neymar, like he's the boy who cried wolf. Like of course the referees aren't going to pay any heed to Ronald on the floor like that. Like I saw someone joke that he needs to work on his break dancing, and it very much did look like that. <laughs> and he needs to work on his break dancing. It was, it was just childish like no like as I said no wonder the referees aren't paying attention to him like when you act like that as I said boy who cried wolf uh, but the rest of the Brazil side I think get a little uh, rattled when teams come at them I think Switzerland were very good at that after the in the second half in their group match I think Serbia did quite well with that as well but they just couldn't uh, take their chances Costa Rica we saw were very good at that but eventually uh the talent of Brazil just wore down Costa Rica. And I think Mexico just were picking up too many yellow cards for too silly challenges. And that ultimately just meant that they couldn't be as physical as they needed to be. And Brazil then were able to open up a bit of space and create a couple more chances in the second half. And it's, you know, it's a fine, finally work goal for the first goal. The second goal is uh, just Mexico poured too many men forward and there's a load of space in behind for Neymar to run into and like Brazil probably now the favourites for the competition overall uh, but if they do go on to win this competition it'll feel more like 2002 as opposed to 1970 they're just maybe they're just the best of the big sides or they're the most functional team there it's they're, they're certainly not the best team. They haven't played the best football. They haven't been, like, they don't seem like the best team in the world, uh, even by international standards. Like, I'd imagine a lot of the top club teams would take their chances against this Brazil side. And obviously club football is totally different in international football. But considering that international football used to be the pinnacle of the game, if Brazil do go on to win this World Cup, I think it will be a damning indictment for the international game because they just... They just don't have the quality there. They just like they have quality players, and they at times look like a very good team. But then other times they just seem far too functional to be exciting to watch. And for Brazil, like that's I get that Brazil have kind of moved to that over the last twenty thirty years to being a bit more functional. They're not having as much flair about them, and it is sad. Like they're just. I want to see them play a bit more open, a bit more expansively, as opposed to kind of having the game slowed down by Neymar and relying on Coutinho to produce the the special moments. And and I don't know if I've said this on uh, any of the other Daily Diaries or on the main podcast, but I think Jesus needs to be dropped. I think Firmino needs to be starting in the quarterfinal because Jesus, I think someone was saying Fred is actually, uh, from the stats anyway, has had a better competition or had a better competition in 2014 than Jesus is having. Like I, I don't think he scored yet, or if he has, it was a wasn't a pivotal goal. And he's not like he's had a couple chances, and he he's not offering much to this team. I think Firmino and his uh, link up play with Coutinho would be far more suited to going further in the competition. I think they've been kind of fortunate so far in the way the teams have kind of sat back against them and it's allowed Coutinho and you know they're fortunate that they have so much talent as well that they can afford to carry Jesus uh, which is a funny sentence to say uh, to carry Jesus um, but yeah Gabriel Gabriel Jesus has been poor this World Cup and 
he he needs to book his ideas or else I think I could see him being gone out of Man City in the next 12 months because he's had a rough 2018 and even uh, the start of the 2017-18 season I thought he was a bit poor like there was, there's a reason Aguero is still playing ahead of him even though Pep Guardiola prefers to not be playing Aguero like he'd prefer to have some other kind of like Aguero is not the style of forward that Pep Guardiola wants but it says a lot about uh, Jesus that he's sticking with Aguero for now. And obviously Jesus does have a few years ahead of him to grow into a fine footballer. But he's going to need to improve fast for Brazil because they're into the quarterfinals now. They will be playing Belgium, who won today. And they're gonna, like, I think they should be playing Firmino against Belgium. Like Maybe against a defensively weak side like Bel- Belgium. Jesus might get more opportunities, but he's like he's the kind of striker that at the moment it feels like he needs a lot of opportunities to get one goal. Whereas I think Firmino, like he scored today when he came on, and it felt like he was going to score when he did come on. It was like, oh yeah, Firmino, he's a good goal scorer. I feel like Firmino against Belgium would would probably be enough to see them through to the semi-finals because Belgium are weak defensively. We saw that today. We've seen that throughout this competition. And like, and we have enough evidence from Martinez's club career that he does not know how to coach a defense. Like that Belgian defense can be got at. Uh, but one plus for Belgium is that Casemiro will be out of that uh, quarterfinal match next Thursday, no, next Friday, I think. Um, yeah, Casemiro is a huge loss. Picked up a yellow carry today, I believe, which rules him out of the quarterfinal like for a second yellow card in the competition. And, you know, they have Fernandinho to replace him, who is a pretty good defensive midfielder, but I think Casemiro is probably uh, the best defensive midfielder in the world, uh, albeit he does get away with certain things that perhaps other players don't. And uh, Fernandinho might get caught up in that. And as we've seen at Man City, Fernandinho is a, a bit of a liability for a red card picked up quite a few uh, over the over the years at Man City uh, he tends to lose his temper sometimes uh, but he is you know he is a pretty good player uh, Pep Guardiola will rave and rave about him if you give him the opportunity to uh, but that is a that is still a plus for Belgium Belgium will be happy with that now and they'll be happy that they've managed to just squeak through against Japan like as I said earlier like that was an absolute classic of a game and it ended with an absolute classic World Cup counter-attacking goal. Uh, but to be fair to Belgium, actually, because I think they deserve a bit more credit than they probably will get. I think they actually started the match pretty well. They, they seemed to have the right attitude that they needed to go out with a high tempo and get a goal early to settle the nerves. But somehow the ball did not end up at the back of the net. Japan just kind of held on for the first 30 35 minutes and then for the last kind of 10 minutes of the second first half rather they seem to find a bit of a rhythm they seem to find a couple of openings to create half chances here and there and i think that gave them the confidence in the second half then to kind of go out and attack belgium a little more and that led to two absolutely amazing finishes first from haraguchi and uh, Inui with the the finishes. The first the first goal is the kind of goal where you're watching it and you're thinking, oh, what is he? Do- oh, what a finish! <laughs> like you you can't even uh, get out your criticism before the ball's already in the back of the net because it did seem like he wasted the opportunity, but it's actually a really intelligent touch to bring Vertonghen in to create the space for Haraguchi to then go outside, uh, just outside a little, get, create the angle. 
uh, for him to blast at Pascal Courtois, who hasn't uh, shined himself in glory here today. Uh, he probably should have done better for the first goal. Second goal, I think, is just a fantastic try from Manui from uh, 20, 30 yards out. But he almost conceded an absolute clangor of a goal in the first half as well. He seems like he's caught the ball and then it just slips through his hands, through his legs, and he's very lucky that it doesn't just roll into the net. Belgium kind of got away with it there for a little bit. Uh, but uh, the second ha- like the second half overall was just absolutely incredible. Like it's a, It is a disastrous start for Belgium. Like they To go 2-0 down within the first 10 minutes is is rough like and like the the belgian fans <laughs> didn't really deserve that i think the belgian fans have been one of the best of the the bunch from europe anyway the south american fan, fans have been fantastic but belgium the belgian fans uh, have been some of the better european fans and i quite enjoyed how after every goal they've scored they've kind of sang freed from desire uh, as kind of an ode to uh year 2016 when of course will Grigg was on fire um and I was, I've was i been wondering after every Belgian goal so far of who, what Belgian player would they fit into Will the Griggs on fire, your defence is terrified. And today came, they came up with the answer, it was Nasser Chadley's on fire, your defence is terrified. Um, because <laughs> Nasser Chadley did somehow, somehow made the squad and has somehow scored the winner here today. And uh, like Bart- Martinez remains unconvincing as Belgian manager. It still seems like despite... Him being a Premier League manager uh, not too long ago, it still seems like he's just not uh, good enough for international management, good enough to see a team through at a cup competition, even though he won the FA Cup with Wigan. Uh, But that was five years ago now. And uh, that Wigan side came up against an absolute basket case of a Man City side. And, you know, they were good in their own. I remember them destroying Everton 3-0. Merchandise's Wigan side was actually decent, even if they did end up getting relegated in the end. But we just we saw how poor he really can be at Everton. He inherited a very good defence, which helped him in his first season to come fifth. And it seemed like at that point that Martinez was quite a good manager, that he could probably, uh, a couple of years later, uh, take the next step to one of the bigger, one of the even bigger teams in England. But then they just got worse and worse and worse, especially defensively. And ultimately, he ended up finishing 13th in the, uh, was it the... 14 it was the 15 16 season i think was when he was sacked uh, at the end of the the campaign when leicester won the league i think they finished 13th that year and he had to go at that point and uh the the defensive problems remain like belgium have vertonghen they've company they've alderweireld they've vermalen they've boyata like that's five great to good defenders to play center back and they play three center backs but like playing Carrasco at wing back seems such an odd decision. Like they they will not get away with that against Brazil. Like Brazil will just attack down that side, and they will get a lot of joy from there. And maybe the fact that Wagner has been unconvincing might help Belgium a little bit, uh, unless they decide to go with Danilo. But Wagner did actually grow in confidence. He was better in the second half than he was in the first. Because as I said, Carlos Vela did have a bit of joy down the the left side today. And I imagine that uh, Eden Hazard might have some similar joy on Friday. Uh, but that third goal, just that third goal is absolutely incredible from Belgium. The 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 run from Lukaku, the ball from De Bruyne to play in Mounier, but the run from Lukaku really is the, the standout uh, moment here. The, the run to go from the right into the middle 
to create the space. He brings the, the Japanese defender with him, creates a load of space for Mounier then to run into and to run and to play the ball into. And then Mounier with a fantastic crossing and the intelligence again from Lukaku to leave the ball, to, to play the dummy for Nasser Shadley to just tap it home. Absolutely incredible stuff from Lukaku. And, you know, I feel like he... Before this moment was, I felt like he was about to get a lot of criticism for not scoring in a big game when Belgium really needed him. But I think he was crucial uh, for especially the third goal. He was important for the second goal as well. Um, and when they do go two 0 down, I am like I did actually message Andrew, kind of saying, "Oh, Bobby Martinez, what a joke of a manager!" And he is a bit of a joke of a manager. Like I, you could definitely have a few jokes at his expense. And he turns to the bench, and who does he have? He has Nasser Chadley and Marouane Fellaini. Like, when you consider the talent at his disposal, and some of the talent he's left at home, you know, I've mentioned many times before, Rajan Angelin. But I'm not going to get into that today, because in the end, Marouane Fellaini got the equaliser, and Nasser Chadley got the winner. So, uh, they've kind of saved Martinez's skin there a little bit, because that would have been a humiliating exit for Martinez, uh, and probably a sackable offence. But they've all of a sudden the the turnaround then for Belgium like it starts the, the like it was a bit of a turnaround in the match and then it reverts back to uh, the the praise that I was going I, I was watching the first half and I was thinking oh Belgium are pretty good like I'm I'm prepared to start actually praising them because I was very critical of them in the group stages especially against Panama and the first half did feel uh, similar to Panama but it felt like they had a bit more energy a bit more. Uh, there was a bit more tempo to their game. They, they felt they they felt like they understood that they needed to score early to calm things down. And Japan just defended better than Panama because Japan is just a better team than Panama. But then that second half, defensively, a lot of questions remain over Belgium defensively, as I said. And uh, Belgium Brazil could really be an absolute classic. And uh, we're going to get a big treat that day because earlier on the Friday afternoon, the three o'clock kickoff will be Uruguay-France, which promises to be an exciting game, if a little more cagey, uh, with two big sides, two contenders there taking on each other. And then later in the day, we get Brazil-Belgium, two more contenders taking on, and that's what the World Cup quarterfinals is all about. And uh, we almost know the whole lineup for the quarterfinals. Tomorrow, we will know the full lineup for the quarterfinals. And I think tomorrow will be the last of the daily diaries for this World Cup. I think from the quarterfinal onwards, there's only going to be um, uh, two days of actual matches. So there's enough time for us to just do full, proper, long podcasts in between rounds without the need to do a daily diary, I think. So tomorrow will probably be my last daily diary of this World Cup. I might do one after the final as well. Um, you know, nothing is certain. And, you know, if you get more, you get more. Uh, But so far, tomorrow will probably be the final one. And tomorrow, we'll see uh, All-European Affair to start the day. Uh, Yet another one of these knockout rounds. And I'm not particularly looking forward to it. Sweden against Switzerland. It feels more like a a Euros match. It feels very like the two of them just kind of got through and they should be playing in France and that the winner will be taking on Germany or they'll be taking on... Poland or something it it doesn't feel like a World Cup match and I, I imagine it will play out very similarly to how Croatia and Denmark played out their match uh, you know without even the two early goals I could see it being a case of Switzerland come up with a moment of magic uh, through one of their high quality players like whether it be Shakiri or whether Shaka pulls off another long range effort like he did against uh, Serbia uh, but other than that, it seems like it's got nil-nil, 120 minutes written all over because like it's going to be very slow. 
neither team really has any pace to it they don't have much energy and um like sweden put a lot of effort into getting through out of their group and uh they could be tired switzerland as well put a lot of effort into getting through they could be tired so i wouldn't expect much from this match uh if you could miss a single uh last 16 match this would be the one to miss i think I think at best it's going to finish 1-0 to Switzerland, but I think it's got 0-0 written all over it, unless there are some ridiculous penalties handed out, which we have seen in the group stages, uh, and we haven't seen as much of in the knockout rounds. Uh, unless that happens, I think it's got 1-0 written all over it. At best, maybe 0-0, straight to penalties. They should just agree now to go to penalties for the sake of all our lives. You know, there's other things on, there's other things to do in our lives. Wimbledon is on, for God's sake. Um... But then the big one, 7 o'clock, Colombia, England. England, I think, have to win this match, otherwise it's an embarrassment. And uh, I don't expect that they will win this match. The, I am very much looking forward to the utter meltdown from the English press and English fans after they lose to Colombia tomorrow. Because I think, and you know, a lot of this also depends on the fitness of James Rodriguez. I think if Rodriguez misses the match tomorrow... It does give England a much better chance. I would still expect Colombia to win, but it would be a much closer contest. I think tomorrow we will see Colombia expose England's defensive weaknesses. I think tomorrow we will see Falcao prove to the English media and the English fans that his stint in England was uh, an outlier for what is an otherwise fantastic career. I think that Quintero and... I think Quintero, at still only 25, but it feels like he has kind of wasted a few years of his career not living up to his full potential. But I think tomorrow could be kind of a, a, you know, a hello to the English press of, uh, look at me, aren't I fantastic? And I hope he pushes on after the World Cup because I've been very impressed by him uh, so far in this competition, especially against Poland. He was absolutely fantastic and his relationship with James was uh, incredible. And uh, I, I fully expect, I, you know, and I don't think it'll be a 3-0 or 4-0 or anything anything absurd like that. I still think it could be close. It could be 2-1. Uh, but at the moment, I ex- I'm expecting a 3-1 win for Colombia. That's my official prediction. I'm very much looking forward to that match, though. And, uh, you know, if England want to prove me wrong, fair enough. Uh, they wouldn't be the first team at this uh, competition to prove me wrong. I think Japan proved me wrong today, even, even in defeat. I, I consider them a bit uh, weaker, a fair bit weaker than all the other teams left in the knockout rounds. But they they proved today that they have heart, that they have passion, that they, you know, they are a decent side. They have uh, very gifted technical players like Kagawa, like Honda, which we knew about. But other players, like Inoue was, has been fantastic in this competition. Uh, Real Betis have managed to sign him on a free, which is great business. And uh, a lot of people will probably be uh, looking at him going, damn, yeah, that's that's really good business. A few English sides probably looking at him, wondering why they've missed out on him. And uh, yeah, uh, they've again, Japan, not even the first team to prove me wrong. There's been a lot of surprises at this World Cup. And, it w- you know, it would be a surprise to me for England to go through tomorrow. But it wouldn't be the biggest surprise of this competition either. Uh, I think that still remains at uh, Germany getting knocked out in last place in the group. Uh, but yeah, that will, that will do us for day 18. Another really good day of uh, the, this World Cup. This has been a, an incredible tournament. And uh, don't be afraid to email me your thoughts uh, at the tfpod at gmail.com uh, for what have been your favorite moments, your biggest surprises, who's proved you wrong. 
uh, in your conversations with family and friends who you should be sharing the podcast with because uh, we want to be a part of everyone's World Cup coverage and follow us on social media, follow us on Twitter at the TF Pod, on Instagram at Total Football Pod, and subscribe to the show if this is your first episode and rate the rate the podcast on your provider of choice. Uh, it really helps out the show, and that just leads me to say thank you for listening, and I'll be back again for day nineteen tomorrow.